Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Hair of the Werewolf. I'm Lily, and I have with me Chase. What's up? And we are a paranormal horror podcast that likes telling each other true scary stories from all over the world. And today, I think we each have a story to tell each other. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so, of course, if you guys have a drink, and especially if you're having our fall drink, thank you and enjoy. Absolutely. You should check out the recipe on our Instagram social, account. Yeah, I think it's on both all social media. Maybe. And we also read it on the couple episodes ago. So you do it. it's a rum-based cidery cocktail. It's a hot drink. It's a hot drink. Which is perfect for the cold weather. Yeah, it's super cold now. And yeah, it's really good. At least I thought so. But I was kind of buzzed, so who knows. And if you're being responsible right now like I have to be and drinking water, that's cool too. We're not going to judge you. Now, actually, I'm not drinking right now either because we're going to be heading to a Friendsgiving a little later. <laughs> and we're going to probably drink there. Yeah. <laughs> right. So we're saving that for a little later. Um, anyway, so we have any news, anything different I'm, going on? No, I don't think there's anything super special today. Just a lot of different stories today. Yeah, I agree. I'm kind of like super excited because my story for today is about what could happen if you were stuck in the middle of nowhere in a cabin with a supernatural entity. This is definitely inspired because of our most recent creepy experience, and I think the listeners should hear about it. I thought to myself, I wonder how many other people have uh, these type of experiences too. Absolutely. So I went out looking for other people's personal stories of staying in haunted cabins. This was both out of curiosity, but I'm not even going to lie. It was to make myself feel better because I was a little freaked out by it. And I find that I get over things a lot quicker if I'm not the only one going through these crazy experiences. So um, I think I'm going to tell the story from my perspective, which is the only thing I can do. And then I'll let you uh, say what you were feeling throughout the stay. Absolutely. Okay. So when we first arrived at the cabin, it was at Angel Fire. And well, yeah, so we should mention that last week we spent four like, nights and five days up a, up in a secluded cabin, kind of to get away from things, kind of like, oh, okay, you want to go way get, back. <laughs> yeah, we just, we kind of just wanted to get away and because we've been dealing with a lot of stresses with the house hunting and kind of not having a place to live. <laughs> so, yeah, we were kind of like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we had more than one room? Exactly. So, <laughs> so we were just like, okay, we're going to go take care of that. And she'd never been to Angel Fire. So it was, it was just a big, exciting thing. And it was mostly a great trip. But it wasn't without its creepy moments. It definitely wasn't. In fact, like I was saying, once you first arrive at the cabin, it was at night because we had left a little late. And we had a we had a nail in our tire. We you had know, a nail in our tire. Luck, That's right. luck, and I had to go get it repaired <laughs> on a Sunday. And I found a really cool place that did it, but we left hours too late, so it was pitch black when we got there. Yeah, I wonder if that was fate being like, look, you guys really don't want to go here. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so... Yeah, as soon as we got there, I noticed that it was super quiet. Like, there was no sounds, no animals, wind. It was still as hell. Like, it sounded, not even kidding you, like a like a room that's been soundproof. It was, it was that way for most of our stay. Yeah. Occasionally, some wind would pick up, and then everything felt very normal. But there wasn't a lot of wind, and you'd think there'd be a lot more with how high we were, because we were on a mountain We were like in a, well, obviously the whole area was a mountain, but we were on a very big hill. Very high point of it. We could right. see all around us down, and everything, these giant trees, perfectly still. No birds, no mm -hmm. chirping, no no animals, nothing. It was creepy silent, and we're standing outside, <laughs> and I'm just looking around going, what? And it's that kind of silence where you can start to like hear your own heartbeat or mm -hmm. feel it and you're just like I'm uncomfortable with this right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, this was new for me. I was like, "All right, whatever." I think <laughs> the closest thing I can remember like that was when we were in Chaco Canyon. It felt very silent that, too. But I was you still that did too. hear stuff cuz you could still hear a wind, but it felt like a silent wind. There was no wind here. It was just everything <laughs> was still. So anyway, it was silent. <laughs> and we finally got into the cabin and I was like, "Okay, I'm sure this is fine." But then I noticed that there were a lot of religious figures everywhere. Everywhere. Well, not just in. There were some outside, too, yeah, in the driveway. Yeah, so, yeah, there was picture frames of Jesus and then multiple crosses hung everywhere. Crucifixes. Crucifixes and uh, passages from the Bible that were, like, in these kind of, you know, live, love, laugh kind of uh, art kind of thing. But the but, kind that make you feel guilty. But, yeah, but guilty. And so... <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, live, laugh, repent. Yeah, because you're sinning, I'm sure. <laughs> 
And yeah, there was like a Virgin Mary candle. And like you said, there were larger statues of of saints or angels. I'm not really sure outside. I think one was actually like the Virgin Mary, just this big statue in the in the dirt. There were like driveway. three or four of them yeah. in the in a kind of like cluster out there. Anyway, so I'm not saying like there's anything wrong with that. I know a lot of people who do. In fact, I grew up in a Catholic household and we had tons of these. We have like a million baby Jesus and Virgin Marys and whatever. Totally fine. But what art and like the pieces they picked to display in the house were very oddly creepy, I thought. They were oddly creepy. And I think it's because that was the only thing there. I've been to houses with lots of religious stuff around, but it often yeah. also has like personal oh, things or yeah, there's a lot of things decorating. It's just that's a, a pretty heavy theme, whereas this place was the only theme. So aside from the decor, obviously the cabin had a lot of windows. I think that's kind of a big thing for mostly cabins. Mostly windows. <laughs> it was mostly windows. It was like two walls, just giant windows. And there were no curtains of any kind. So mm. you were basically staring into the black. And there was no way of telling if there was anything staring back at you. Woof. Yeah, that was a big wolf for me. And even though there were no cabins around, really, that were super close, and if they were somewhat close, they were down the hill. So theoretically, no one was able to look in. Unless they had binoculars and really far away. But that was the vibe I got, basically, mm-hmm, is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Um, there was also another cabin right next door that was also rentable by the same people in it's the Airbnb. It was a dual unit. It was a dual unit thing, but no one was there the entire time. Something. So now let me just tell you some of the things that we experienced after we settled in. <laughs> and as I was in the living room, I was actually editing last week's episode, which I know was late and I'm really sorry about. But anyway, I was sitting on the floor and I had my laptop on the coffee table in front of the couch. So I was basically surrounded by windows. After about maybe 30 minutes, I noticed that the sensor lights outside came on. I looked over to see if there was anything out there, like an animal or whatever, but I saw nothing. I yell over to Chase and he was in the bedroom. So I told you, I was like, hey, Chase, the sensor lights are coming on. I don't know what's going on. And you're like, yeah, it's probably an animal. But despite this, I still felt very nervous. Um, The lights eventually would go off and I would go back to editing. Then a few minutes later, the lights would come on again. This started to happen every 10 minutes or so. And then I noticed that the other sensor lights located on the other side of the porch near the front door also came on. So I'm basically thinking I'm going to die. But I continue to edit my creepy episode of Dear David. So (laughs) I'm just like, this is the creepiest situation ever. Well, and my initial reaction when when they came on is I said, oh, I bet the sensitivity is too high. Mm Because this cabin was way off the ground. It was pretty much on a second story because there was garages that we didn't use down below. Right. And I was like, oh, the sensitivity is too high. It's probably just picking up the plants that are moving. But when we would look outside or step on the balcony... It was perfectly still. There was no wind. No. Nothing was moving. And there was no animals, and it didn't trigger when you were down in on the ground. So like No, yeah, the, the lights didn't come on when we pulled up our car. Right. So I was like, what the hell's going on? And I finally finish editing, and I think to myself, okay, I fucking need a drink. No, nay, I deserve a drink, because <laughs> I was like stressing about the episode, and also I'm thinking like there's a serial killer out there for me. I go make myself a Coke, obviously. And keep it classy. <laughs> I was feeling on edge. Even after like five drinks, I still felt creeped out. So I was like, you know what? Let's call it a night. I'm going to bed. Yeah, I say like that was the end of it for me, especially that first night, I should say. And I couldn't shake it because usually I'm not afraid of the dark. Like I'll walk outside if it's pitch black and be like, this is fine. I'm the same way. Yeah. But anyway, the next day, it all seemed fine mm-hmm. until again at night. It just seemed weird, again, like we were being watched. And for most of the days, that was the extent of my experience, except uh, the last night we were there, which I'm going to stop telling the story right now because I want Chase to tell his perspective because I think you had more mm-hmm. more well, things going on. on. The, uh, so I wasn't feeling too terribly scared of the windows or anything most of the trip. What was bothering me was when I was lying down to go to bed and you were already out. You've been falling asleep pretty quick recently. Mm-hmm. I would just be lying there on my phone and we had very good internet at the cabin, by the way. I, you know, as much as I love camping, I'm still a city boy. I need <laughs> I need access to Reddit I'm or else I feel like a barbarian. And then all of a sudden I hear a lot of noises. I'm hearing scratches. I'm hearing thumps. Was this like right after I fell asleep or was this like a little time after? Probably like an hour after you were asleep. Okay. And, you know, the scratches would kind of be like someone 
dragging like a broom along a wall for like a couple meters and the booms kind of felt like they were coming from below like down below like ground level so i was hearing that pretty much every night and to be honest i was sleeping particularly badly i was waking up almost every 30 minutes on the minute Mm -hmm. every night and the first thing i did when i woke up was stare straight into that mirror that was (laughs) overlooking us and i don't know why and i was just like and i would just keep trying to go to bed keep trying to go to bed that was what was happening to me most of the night in general i wasn't too worried about the windows until the final night right okay so let me let me tell that part of the story on the last night it was again same feeling being watched but this time when i went to bed i had this like absolutely overwhelming sense of panic i could feel my heart racing and uh, my breathing was getting faster as i laid there in bed then when i finally managed to calm down enough to fall asleep i woke up only like five minutes later and I just stood up and looked right at the front door because I was 100% convinced that there was someone out there. In addition to that, I also noticed that I was starting to feel really dizzy and my head was spinning. So it took me a long time for me to calm down again. Like it was panic and dizziness and everything. And then boom, it would happen again. As soon as I'd fall asleep, not even a minute later, I'd wake up. And then I'd say, like, it wasn't until you came to bed that I felt a little better and I was able to, like, fall asleep a little longer, like, longer than 10 minutes because that's what it felt like. Every 10 minutes or every five minutes, I'd wake up. (laughs) What I find funny about this is you're like, oh, he came to bed and that was a source of comfort because the funny (laughs) part about that is the reason I went to bed is because I myself was feeling terrified i was out in the uh, out on the couch you know just on the other side of that partial wall Mm -hmm. and i was in the dark room because i knew she wanted to go to bed and i didn't want her to get distracted by sound and i was just on the couch with my phone and like every few minutes i would just be staring out the windows and feeling really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. like i felt like every time my back was to one window it was and i had to turn around and then i was exposed from another side and it was really unnerving i said you know what I'm just going to go to bed because then I'll at least be next to Lily and it'll feel a little (laughs) bit warmer and and calm because I was terrified. I actually told you I was feeling terrified, but you didn't tell me you were feeling terrified. No, I didn't want to like encourage it because I... I She didn't tell me until we were driving home the (laughs) next day. I didn't tell you anything. She made me feel like I was just crazy. And, And I accepted that to myself. I was like, oh, Chase, maybe it's something wrong. Maybe, maybe there's just something going on with you and you'll be over it and you'll wake up and you'll feel fine. And I did feel fine when I woke up. But... No, no. She let me believe that I was just No, it wasn't crazy. like I was trying to make you believe or be like, yeah, I'm totally fine. I never said I was fine. But I think like for me and my sanity, I'm like, we're at this cabin. Nothing, no good of us both freaking out will happen. So I had to pretend because if I pretend, then maybe there's a part of me that will believe it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, denial, basically. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, as like, uh, we slept there and you were there next to me, even even though I felt a little better. It didn't matter what direction I was facing while I was asleep. Every once in a while, probably like every 30 minutes, like you were saying, I'd wake up in a panic and look again directly to the front door because I swear there was something there. And yeah, I honestly felt like everything was escalating up until that night. Like every day we were there and every night things got a little worse for me like how I felt and again I didn't want to mention anything because I was like Lily get over yourself you're fine people have stayed in this cabin and didn't die so you're not gonna die that we know of it wasn't until I went home and researched (laughs) it and found there's no evidence that anything happened there (laughs) right exactly so I'm like okay just you're being silly but yeah that was one of the scariest experiences I've ever had But see, the thing is, the only time I was actually legitimately scared was that last night. The other times, I would just feel a little unnerved when I was going to bed and I could hear that scratching. I was like, oh, it's probably just a little animal outside. That worked in my brain. But I think when you were saying that you were out there on one of the nights on the couch and you were starting to feel really scared, I think you mentioned that last night. Didn't you say you heard footsteps? I said it sounded like I heard. Okay, this was during the day, actually. It wasn't at night. So it was during the day you were asleep. Or in the, yeah, you were like asleep. In, in the morning? It was in the, was in the morning. And, you know, I had gone outside and sat out there for a while. And once again, super still, nothing was going on. Well, anyway, I go back in and I'm sitting on the couch on my computer. And then it kind of sounded like I heard something 
walking on the balcony out front Mm -hmm. uh, towards the front door. And I immediately look up and there's nobody there, but I see the bird feeder that's right there is waving back and forth rather violently. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm like, oh, it's probably the wind. And then I'm looking at all the giant trees around me, trees everywhere. And they're not moving at all. They're perfectly still. And I'm sitting there going. So there were two bird feeders. Was the other one singing on the other side? No. Okay, that's freaky. And so I'm like, what is happening? And I just sat there and I looked at it and I was like, my first thought was, Lily, can you, can you freaking wake up? <laughs> but anyway, I just sat there on my computer. And... I'd like to point out that like, for me, this is super early. Every night or every morning, I woke up at like seven or eight, which is ridiculous for me because I'm a night owl. And I'm a night owl too. And I was waking up at like four every, yeah. every night or morning in that. So it was actually still dark when I'd wake up. Yeah. And then once the sun came up is when I'd go sit out on the couch so I could enjoy the sunrise. And we even got a cool video of the sunrise, which we put on our <laughs> social, our personal social media accounts. Yeah. The trip in general was an absolute blast. And we had a really good time. There were just a few moments at night I felt creeped out. Yeah. And we were a little sleep deprived at that point. So we were like, yeah, it's time to go. But my final night, I the funniest thing is the final night after I heard all those noises and everything and I was feeling particularly scared. Best night I slept. I slept like, yeah. soundly. I was the one who was waking up like every 30 minutes. It's like one of us had to have a shitty night or something. I felt pretty good when I woke up, <laughs> took my shower early and started packing up and making breakfast. It was, yeah, the trip was great. This was just a moment of scariness that needed to be said because we remember it. But for the most part, it was still a good trip. I highly recommend people to a cabin. Yeah, uh, especially after my stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so Lily, why don't you tell them? All the reasons that they should stay in a cabin. All right. Well, here we go. I feel like our story was technically the first story of this themed uh, night. Of course. And so before I go into other people's stories, I do want to mention that a lot of the stories I got were from like TripAdvisor or something of that similar nature. And because of this, a lot of the cabins that people stayed in are still active. Like you can stay there right now. But I don't want to get sued, so I'm not going to say the specific name of the company or, like, where it is. I'll give a general location for sure. Sure. But a lot of these places, their responses was very, like, they don't want people to think this place is haunted. Well, of course not. I mean, it's not good for business, right? For the most part. Hotels kind of dig it because enough people want to stay at a haunted hotel, but an individual house... That's going to probably hurt. Especially in a cabin. That's mm-hmm. that's a lot harder to sell, I think. But anyway, so that's just something I wanted to get out of the way. Uh, so our first reviewer comes from DMaster64. And they stayed in a cabin located in Atlanta, Georgia, in a town called Blue Ridge. And they stayed there on March 6, 2011. They said, horrible customer service, haunted cabin. <laughs> that's the title. <laughs> awesome. Get everything that's important right away. Right. Um, Kevin was clean and very nice. Now the bad part. <laughs> uh, there were there are no motion detector lights outside cabin. The phone in the cabin rang constantly. When I would get up to answer the phone, it would stop ringing when I reached for the handset. Okay. When my boyfriend answered the phone, they would hang up or the person on the other line would just sit there. When we left the cabin, we would return to the cabin and the phone would start ringing as soon as we walked into the door. Hmm. Yeah, that's creepy. It's like either someone's watching them or but of course. something something is reacting to them. Absolutely. We also kept hearing unexplained footsteps on the stairs and upstairs. We were so freaked out, we packed up all our belongings and left around 10 p.m. for our second night. We did not feel safe. We felt as if we were being watched. We called customer service the next day. Basically, the manager thought we were making it all up and (laughs) and didn't take us seriously. Uh, She was not the least a bit sympathetic to us and did not offer compensation. So she says, don't get me wrong. The cabin was beautiful. And if you are into being harassed by (laughs) ringing phone, feeling like someone is watching you and feeling like you are staying in a haunted cabin, then this is definitely the cabin for you. (laughs) One out of five stars. (laughs) One out of five. I like that. Yeah. So the cool thing is I was actually able to find a second story for the same location. What? Yeah. I was not expecting that. That was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That that l- lends credibility to the possibility <laughs> that this place is haunted. And this was the following year in March as well. Ooh. So <laughs> Seasonal ghost syndrome, anyone? Right? It's like, <laughs> this is the time I died. I don't know why people keep coming here. Uh, <laughs> Show some respect, yo. Yeah. Uh, this one's titled, There's some. There's Something Wrong With That Place! Exclamation mark. And they said, 
The cabin we stayed in is beautiful. Once we got there, I never had a good feeling about the place. I felt like I was always being watched by something. We were planning on staying a week and, and left on the second day. The first night we were attacked by something. We think there were bears or other animals, but not sure what it was really. Okay, what I don't mean attack. I don't know. Their sentence structures on some of these are a little weird, but I'm like, you did. I think you would know if you were attacked by a bear, but I think they just kind of meshed two ideas. Um, so anyway, they said we did not sleep at all that night, even calling the police. We constantly heard footsteps around the cabin, especially when we were in the hot tub. We heard them upstairs and all the time. We were so creeped out and scared we left. Now the company that manages the cabin was wonderful. We can't say enough good things about them. They offered us a different cabin, but we didn't feel comfortable staying in another cabin. They refunded us back the money for the days we didn't use. No questions asked. So they had a different experience. Interesting. And this is a year later, so now I'm thinking maybe they're getting something. You know what I mean? They're like, this is happening more than once. We're anyway. seeing this a lot, yeah. Right. So they said, not sure if there was anything in the cabin or there was something wrong with it, or what, but it was extremely unsettling to be there. Two out of five stars, though. Oh, moving on up. <laughs> so, yeah. All it needed was some uh, customer service. I agree. I think that's basically the saving part, because they're like, it's, the cabin was rough, but at least they got their money back, and blah, 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 you know? So here's the next story. This cabin is located in Newport Ritchie, Florida, which is in blah, northeast of Tampa, it was reviewed by Kathleen when she stayed there in July 2014. Okay. Her title was Haunted Cabin. It was an experience I will never forget. We rented a cabin for two nights, but was only there for a couple of hours. Oh, whoa. Yeah. The cabin was scary and no lighting. There is no protection there whatsoever. You're locked in a gate. We were so scared. We heard people talking and not a single soul was up there. We were the only ones that rented a cabin. The cabins have beds in it like a prison camp. Don't know what she means, but okay. Uh, she might not have just been into cabins. A lot of cabins will have rooms with lots and lots of beds in a row, kind of like in a boot camp or like in a prison setting, things like that. You mean that. like a hostel kind of thing? Yeah, like a hostel. That's actually pretty common because a lot of people will go in joint on like a ski cabin and, you know, split the money and everything. That's pretty normal. So she might just not have cabin experience. That's true. Uh, she said... It's haunted and scary. Stay away from this place. One out of five stars. Yeah, th this one could have been very much that. But the fact that she heard voices, I mean, you can be anywhere on this planet. If you hear voices, you know what that is. Yeah, that that can definitely be unsettling. If she if she is confident that there's no, there shouldn't be anyone around. Yeah. But sometimes, especially if it's at night, you can't tell. Well, I think that was the unsettling part. <laughs> we, uh... There were, when we were staying at the cabin, there were cabins. You could see them in the distance pretty far away, you know, they look 300 very meters away. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure, especially with how silent it was, if there were people on like their balcony just talking and laughing, we would have heard that. It would have felt distant, but we would have heard it. Yeah. So all the other stories have creeped me out. But yeah. this one, I'm just thinking maybe she wasn't, she's not used she's to cabins. She's not used to it. That's That's very fair. Very possible. But dang, um, I mean, they had only stayed there for a couple hours, but they were like, nope, I'm out of here. <laughs> so, you know. So the next cabin is in Grafford, Texas, which is east of Fort Worth. And it was reviewed by Nathaniel, 2006, when they stayed there in April 2010. His title, Cabin Number 5 is Haunted. Didn't get a whole lot of sleep. He says, uh, this was our first trip to the lake, but back to the cabin. <laughs> At nightfall, things got pretty crazy, hearing doors open and close, being woken up all throughout the night and early morning hours by constant sound, very aggravating, and then actually seeing the floating ball of light, an orb. Oh, an orb. Yeah. Come into the bedroom and then proceed to start forming into God knows what. I didn't enjoy the light show. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> what a normal reaction <laughs> yeah. to that. Most people just crap themselves. Yeah. He's just like, didn't enjoy. He's Zero like, out of five. <laughs> He's like negative reviews. <laughs> um, and I stopped it short by getting out of bed and turning on the light. Anyway, that was the only bad experience for me. Other than that, I love the cabin and the atmosphere. Three out of five stars. <laughs> <laughs> this guy doesn't even give a fuck. <laughs> Once again, we give so much credit oh to God. reviews, but people are so white. Like one person's like... Beds are close together. I'm out. I'm out. And the other, the other one's like, ball of light. Still better than average. Crazy spiritual light show. Anyway, 
Kevin's cool. <laughs> At least he's honest. I don't know. This is the guy who, like, when his food comes in a restaurant and he sees, like, a hair and he just, like, pulls it out and is like, eh, and just eats it. He doesn't <laughs> say We all have hair. <laughs> it's all right. It's not like it's spit or nothing. Then you look, you're like, that might be spit. And he's like, eh, it's not like it's poop or nothing. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't want to hang out with him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want him to cook for me. <laughs> okay. So uh, next we have HLT2OBX, <laughs> who stayed in a cabin in Frisco, Hatteras Island, North Carolina, back in August 2014. And they titled Haunted Cabin? Question <laughs> mark. Just spent seven nights here and had a blast. The only weird thing I am left wondering is if the cabin was haunted. I can't find any other reviews or stories about this one, but one member of my family heard someone calling her on the last night of our stay and felt a small child's hand push her as if nudging her to get up, and this happened twice. Whoa. Anyways, not worried about it. I felt very comfortable here. Four out of five stars. <laughs> Screw my friend. I like how I said, like, little child hands. And I'm just imagining, you know, how people have those little salad mixers that are little hands. Oh, like, yeah. I'm just prodding <laughs> you. It's like, get up. Get up. Make me breakfast. Oh, my God. Yeah, so this guy was like, or a person, I don't know who this was. But anyway, um, they definitely <laughs> liked it, but their I'm, friend probably had a different review. I'm just curious. Are your reviews purposefully getting just better as you go <laughs> down? Like, Actually, these are kind of random. Okay, I was like, if the next one's like five out of five, but I'd give it six if I was allowed. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, now in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, Brandon reviewed his cabin experience from when he stayed there in April 2019. He says, loved it, but haunted. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me start off by saying that these cabins are very nice and has everything you would need for a great stay. Now for the scary part. Me and my wife stayed in either cabin eight or nine. I can't remember which one. But one night I woke up in bed at like five in the morning. I was cuddling my wife and felt tapping on my back. I heard a voice behind my back repeating saying, hey, 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 scared the crap out of me. I told my wife what happened and she told me that earlier in the night she saw a dark figure in the corner of the room with the shape of a woman. But other than that, great cabin, four out of five stars. <laughs> This is when she mentions it. She's like, oh, I think I see a ghost. I'm going to bed. It's fine. I'm going to mention nothing to my husband. Oh, my God. People do the weirdest things. I know. Well, I didn't tell you anything either because I just didn't. But if I and saw I figure, told you everything. I, <laughs> I might die one day because something horrible is happening. And I was like, Look, oh, maybe I should have told him. But nah. For me, everything we were feeling was feelings. I never saw or heard anything. So... What was I going to say? You know. So are you trying to tell me that feelings don't matter? Yeah. <laughs> they don't, Chase. <laughs> I'm uh, in for some hurt, guys. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so this is actually my last review. All right. It comes from 704Vs, who stayed in a cabin in Tofino, British Columbia, back in October 2020. So this is the most recent. Which, by the way, uh, by far the most gorgeous location yet. I even nice. watched a video on YouTube because I was so interested in it. Where again? Uh, this is in Tofino, British Columbia, Canada. Oh, yeah, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. I don't even know where that is. Well, I know so, where British Columbia, that part of Canada, but I don't know where Tofino it's is. It's the most uh, west-south corner kind of-ish area. Oh, okay. Yeah. And anyway, so they said Haunted Cabin 16. So my wife and I stayed in a two-bedroom cabin, Cabin 16, the first night, my wife complained that she didn't sleep well and she was afraid all night because it felt like someone was in the cabin. I shrugged her behavior off as nothing of significance because I had a few drinks and slept great. <laughs> <laughs> Supportive. <laughs> the second night, however, was a different story. We both slept in the north bedroom of cabin 16. I couldn't sleep all night as I felt super restless. Okay. Then around 2.30 a.m., I looked towards the door and saw a ball of red light. Another orb? Another orb. We never saw an orb. No, thank God. Oh, wait, you did see a light, though. Remember? Oh, shit. I forgot about that. Yeah. But I didn't see a light in the apartment because everything... Apartment? It's a cabin. I was lying down in bed next to you one of those mornings, and I, you know, was during a time I was woken up, and there was, like, a really bright light outside up in the sky. And I just assumed maybe it was a helicopter coming through and it's flashing its lights and it just came in because it was really bright. But also, to be fair, the other alternative I was thinking is 
we were near a full moon. It was a yeah, but it was a, a waxing flash, gibbous. Well, you know? yeah, but it was so bright that what could have happened is if if the moon was right at that angle where if I was lying one way in bed, it was super bright, and then if I rolled slightly, it would disappear behind the window pane. That it would appear, especially because I was just waking up like a flash, but it wasn't. So, so I'm thinking that I had reasons to explain it, but there was not a light. Uh, there wasn't an emission. You said it cast it. a shadow. It did cast a shadow. Cast shadows like it was moving. So I don't know. I. I'm more willing to believe Chase at the time because it had just happened mm-hmm. when you told me versus like your new let's not let's pretend this didn't happen interpretation. <laughs> all right. All right. Fine. But it wasn't I. the one thing I guarantee I remember is it wasn't like an emitting point of light within the cabin. OK, so let's go on. The ball was made up of small laser like figures. The room is completely dark. Blinds closed, and I have no explanation for this. The whole night, we tossed and turned and couldn't sleep. The next morning, we were preparing to check out. I was in the washroom when I heard a loud crash. I opened the door to ask my wife, and she said the glass lamp on the kitchen table just shattered by itself. What? Yeah. We had a great time other than this paranormal activity. We were still pretty freaked out. Four out of five stars. Did they... (laughs) Did they clean up the lamp? So my biggest question is, did they clean up the lamp, throw it away, and pretend nothing happened? Or did they tell the company? And then this is their elaborate story of how they cra- how it <laughs> Right, broke. exactly. It's like, please don't charge us for your lamp. Uh, I saw an orb, and it's haunted. So, yeah. Anyway, but that's those are my stories. Um, I definitely got inspired based on our experience, and I wanted to make sure that I wasn't insane, and other people also had these similar uh, terrifying experiences. I think I'm ready for a break, and we'll get back, and you'll have some stories for us? That have nothing to do with cabins. Okay, cool. So we'll see you guys in a few. Okay, guys, we are back, and I feel super ready to not talk and listen to Chase's scary stories. Absolutely. And before I get to my actual story... I do have a small thing to say about my research process. (laughs) On November 9th, people started posting lots of different videos of this moving light that was spotted in southern France near Montpellier. And you mean like this this month, this year? Yeah, just uh, maybe less two weeks ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Most of the videos were cell phone videos, obviously, and they were taken from various vantage points, distance, down below, everything. And as you can assume, all of the footage was out of focus and shaky and crappy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Now, the comments under all these posts were full of back-and-forth conversations between people saying it was a drone with a light and people disagreeing and saying drones can't move like that. Then there were people arguing that the light appeared to be only several meters across, but then other people were like, no, look at this video. It has to be 100 meters across. No consensus whatsoever. The only thing for sure was a lot of people were convinced it was a major UFO sighting. And then a few days later, I was following this. I was reading all the comments. I was doing everything. Because oh, I'm like, no. this might be a great story. Well, a few days later, a man named Remy Gaillard, if I'm pronouncing it correctly because it is French, released a video claiming that the sightings were all part of an elaborate hoax that he had concocted. Now, Remy Gaillard is a famous French prankster. His YouTube <laughs> has millions of subscribers and he has been on multiple French TV programs as well as made a movie. This oh, wow. Yeah. This isn't some random person taking credit in order to gain some semblance of fame. He was saying, I absolutely did this and you guys fell for it. And right. it was apparently his first UFO hoax so far. So I'm a bit torn. I greatly appreciate this sort of commentary-inducing hoax. It really helps highlight how easily people believe things they want to, regardless of the evidence for or against it. I think it's relevant and poignant at this very chaotic time we're all going through, but I'm also really pissed off. Because I spent hours (laughs) researching this dumb drone, thinking it could be a creepy story, reading a bunch of uninformed, crappy comments. Right? And it was just confirmed as fake. I'd be so mad. I'd be so mad. I had to throw all the stuff I had been writing in the trash. I'm like, "Ah, this is worthless. In the digital trash. In the digital trash. (laughs) But thankfully, my research did accidentally lead me to stuff, a little tidbit of history, that became my actual story. So that's good. So today's stories are all about the moon. And that's very perfect because just this last week we had a lunar eclipse, a blood yeah. moon, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was a partial 
Yeah, yeah, so whenever you have a lunar eclipse, it should get kind of red because yeah. the light is going through Earth's atmosphere so that the only illumination it's getting is kind of going through atmosphere at an angle. Kind of mm-hmm. like a sunset, but just projected. But moon. <laughs> but moon. <laughs> sunset, but moon. So NASA, an agency that really needs no introduction, hopefully everyone around the world knows it. Uh, it is one of the few U.S. government agencies known and respected throughout the world. Even I have an undeniable love for NASA. I think people just like <laughs> NASA because it's it's not military, it's not violent, and it's like, let's look at planets and the moon. Yeah, let's be fun about this. They have telescopes, camera sensors, and people set up throughout the world and several places off-world that are watching, observing, taking samples, and recording data, and releasing it publicly for all of us to enjoy. Mm -hmm. Although it is desperately underfunded and unlikely to perform their own manned launches anytime soon, they are still at the forefront of deep space probes and planetary exploration. There's a wealth of information freely available for those willing to look into it, and that's relevant. Because it just so happens that I stumbled across something particularly interesting that they did release into the public. What caught my attention was a bit of data contained within one of NASA's regularly produced technical reports. This particular report, R-277, which was released on July of 1968, before we had even landed on the moon, was titled, The Chronological Catalog of Reported Lunar Events. As the title might suggest, it Mm -hmm. contained a list of known events and observations relating to the moon going back quite some time. This particular catalog went all the way back to 1540. Whoa. And that's where it got interesting. Holy cow. While reading some of these reports, it became apparent to me that a lot of weird phenomena was observed on the surface of the moon, (laughs) or at least at some point in the atmosphere or space between the Earth and the moon that makes it look like it was on the moon. The instance that piqued my curiosity was from March 5th, day after my birthday, 1587, many, many years before my birthday. Yeah, you're that old. Yeah, or at least they assumed this is the date. It was deduced from existing data that they could say March 5th, 1587. Mm. On this day, observers witnessed an extremely bright light in the shadowed area of the moon. Using the calendar function on NinePlanets.org allowed me to establish the phase of the moon on that day, assuming March 5th is the accurate day, of course. It was a waning crescent moon, which for those of you that don't know moon terms and what that means uh, in the moon cycle, waning crescent means that the moon is less than 50% illuminated and on its way down to zero. So it's mm. every night it's getting more and more slivery of a crescent. And then, you know, when it's completely blacked out, it becomes a new moon. On March 5th, the moon was only around 16% illuminated, resulting in a very narrow sliver of crescent. That means that the vast majority of the moon would appear dark. Yeah. Mostly dark. Very dark. The NASA report actually had a quote from the observation written in Old English, or definitely not modern English, something <laughs> before that. I think yeah. Old English is pre-1500. I can't remember what we call the English from the 1500s. It's not old English. Modern old English. No, I, I feel stupid that I don't remember off the top of my head. New wave. <laughs> new, new, new wave English. All their With all their slang. Yeah. But I'll attempt to read it using modern words so it will be less complicated. A star is seen in the body of the moon upon the blank of March. And a blank, I think, means uh, the beginning of March or something. Whereat many men mariled, which means like to marvel. Mm-hmm. And not without cause, for it stood directly between the points of her horns, the moon being changed, not passing five or six days before. Now, as far as I can tell, what they're saying is that the men spotted and marveled at a bright light, bright as a star, in the dark area of the moon, directly between the tips of the crescent. Now, I don't know about you, but I find this incredibly fascinating. Do you think maybe it was like a collision? Like a... No, I don't know. But it just stayed there. It didn't oh, move. Okay. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. Because okay. they said um, that it it would not pass. It was there for days. Days? That they would yeah. keep seeing it in the dark for days. That's so weird. The two-sided sources for the information were a dead end, as the full texts weren't available to me, because a lot of these were very historical documents. Mm-hmm. I really wish I could know more about this instance, In the land before drones and planes, a bright light on the moon is no simple matter because, you know, we've got shooting stars, we've got comets, we've got a lot of things that it could be. Yeah. But we know where the moon is supposed to be and there's no, obviously, there's no stars between the moon and Earth. (laughs) Physically impossible. Right. So they see a bright light there. In between. In the 1500s. There shouldn't be 
and I think anything there. There's definitely credit here because these are people who are observing and trying to record. So if anyone's going to know the difference between a shooting star or like anything like that, it's these people. Exactly. You know, because they're every night looking at it and they're going to see everything they can in their capacity. Yeah. No, exactly. And and th- I think that's the most important thing. You could say, oh, I bet they just saw a meteor. But that would make sense if it was just a momentary instance of a bright light. Sure. They were sitting there staring at it and it apparently lasted multiple days. If I'm understanding the quote correctly, this was just a bright light that was there. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I've, I have no idea. Was there any kind of like theories or interpretations like modern day and being like, oh, this could have occurred or like. And that's the funny thing. Outside of this technical report. I was doing all this research to try to find if anyone had addressed this matter. Okay. Because there are other things in the technical report that are addressed recently of, ha- of having explanations. Like people go back and try to figure it out. I was having a hard time finding this even mentioned, but this was mentioned in a NASA book with two-sided sources Ooh. to it. Could not find out anything more about it. But I find this incredibly creepy, especially because seeing bizarre lights in the sky in the 1500s was before people even understood the concept of aliens or yeah. spaceships or flight or anything like that. So I don't even know what they imagined it was. <laughs> Maybe they just thought it was some sort of marvelous miracle of, of God's creation or something like that. I mean, that could have been very possible, but also it's kind of like, what the hell am I supposed to think? I I don't know, man. You know? So, yeah, that's a, that's... That's kind of scary. That's it's, creepy. I find it incredibly creepy because yeah. I, we know enough now to know that shouldn't be happening. But even if it happened today, we'd probably be able to come up with explanations for things that could have done it using modern technology. Yeah. I think the variety of scientific degrees that would allow me to make an accurate prediction as to why this happened in 15, what was it, 68? I don't have that. Yeah. I'm just an idiot. So <laughs> I'm just guessing. But I found this incredibly creepy. Now, as an isolated incident, this would be bizarre enough on its own. It turns out seeing weird stuff on the moon was a little more common than you would think at this time in history. The NASA document shows that at least five other bizarre sightings were made on the moon in 46 years between 1540 and 1706. Wait, that's That's, way more than 46 years. (laughs) It's 146 years. Okay. A star-like appearance on the dark side of the moon was reported in 1540, by, they wrote in the document, Observer at Worms. I'm not sure where Worms is. It might be a place. <laughs> like uh, Worms? Worms? Like W-O-R-M? Yeah. Huh. For I some reason, I just imagine it's like an island in Greece. Like, maybe it's maybe an to Crete or Worms. Yeah, oh, maybe, maybe. Uh, in the New England area, multiple people noticed a bright star-like appearance on the moon as well. Not all of these were witnessed by random strangers either. Giovanni Domenico Cassini, a well-known, famous Italian mathematician and astronomer, famous for discovering several of Saturn's moons, as well as the divisions in its rings, also noticed several strange phenomena on the moon during his time. And he was observing it with tools and with Mm. education and knowledge behind it. Yeah. He noticed things such as white spots or what appeared to be white nebulous clouds on the moon between 1671 and 1673. These things may have been a very reasonable or rational explanation, but I think it's worth noting that a versed and learned astronomer noticed several things on the moon that shouldn't have been there, but they were interesting enough to record. Yeah, for sure. So now all of a sudden, I'm starting to realize maybe there's some weird things happening. And it's not because I think the moon is particularly important, and that's why it's even weirder that shit is happening. It's like, there's nothing there. What intelligent creature even wants to be on a moon? Like, what happened here? Yeah. Yeah, what's it doing, man? They, like, just missed us. (laughs) So for you longtime listeners, this time frame should sound familiar. Early in season one, we did an episode that covered a bizarre spectacle in the skies of Nuremberg, Germany. Mm -hmm. It was wild, including the sky changing colors and hundreds of people seeing weird shapes flying in the sky, such as cylinders and spheres. And they were behaving in what would sound like a Star Wars space battle. I'm not joking. You have to listen to the episode. It's absolutely (laughs) bizarre. Between and, gods and, you know, or like, yeah. The, the, yeah, that was a cool episode. They even wrote about it in their newspaper of the time yeah. which, and it, and they painted it. It was it was a big deal that took place just 26 years before the incident I talked about in today's episode of the okay. bright light on the moon. So weird stuff in the sky is happening. Definitely. And if if we believe that some of the Nuremberg stuff was artif- uh, not artificial atmospheric stuff, which is something we talked about then, we could also say this was it, too. Should have been less prominent at night when the sun wasn't really right. an issue. But anyway, it just feels like the 1500s was quite the hotbed of paranormal <laughs> and inexplicable events in the atmosphere and or space. And on that note, 
I just recently got a book that covers a wide range of unexplained events in the past. It's not super detailed, but they have a listing of things. So I'm hoping I'm going to cover a lot more of this stuff as we go forward. Because it's pretty interesting to me. Maybe I'll even come up with a fun name for that segment. I haven't figured it out yet. (laughs) Okay. So that is a historical moon story. And I have another one that's a lot more recent, but this one is 100% true. And that makes it 100% scarier to me, especially to you, Willie. Oh, God. Help. So I might be stretching the idea of terrifying, but just bear with me. This story... So this story actually takes place on the moon. Okay. Back in December of 1972, Apollo 17's lunar lander was on the surface of the moon. This would be NASA's final manned mission to the surface. Like the previous Apollo missions that involved lunar landings, only two of the astronauts would make the descent, Eugene Cernan and Harrison Schmidt, successfully landing on the Valley of Taurus Littrow, and they proceeded to survey the area and gather a number of rocks and other samples to bring back home. Mm -hmm. This mission holds the distinction of being the largest haul of lunar samples ever back to Earth. I mean, they were bringing this stuff with them. Nice, yeah. Now, we've all seen footage of astronauts walking on the moon. One important thing to note about this footage is that the amount of dust and sand that is kicked up during these moonwalks. I, for one, always assumed the moon was a nice, fine powder, kind of like powdered sugar or a nice sandy (laughs) beach. This was largely due to the fact that only substances that would remain suspended like that on Earth would be fine and light dust particles. Right. But on the moon, where there's very little atmosphere and very low gravity, it doesn't need to be quite so light or fine to blow around as it does. Pretty heavy, yeah. Exactly. And it's not something I think about. When you just see it, you just associate it to your experiences on Earth. Yeah. So the moon also lacks the same tectonic processes that the Earth has, as well as the other environmental factors such as wind and water erosion on the surface that affect sand and stones here. What this means is that the moon dust is actually really coarse, really sharp, Mm -hmm. and considerably larger than sand we see on Earth. It is actually very jagged and very unpleasant. Schmidt mentioned that the lunar dirt would get lodged in his suit's joints and folds, making it hard to move. The soil was so sharp and rough that it caused serious damage to the boots of their spacesuits, going so far as to wear down three layers of a Kevlar-like material on Schmidt's boot just in his lunar walk. So as you can assume, the moon surface is actually a really nasty place, which kind of changes my opinion of the moon a little bit, just saying. I don't know about you, (laughs) but it does to me. As someone who prefers to be barefoot, this thought terrifies me (laughs) as bad as all this was the moon dust had one other nefarious trait to unleash on the unsuspecting astronauts and this is where it should scare you okay see even though they were protected from suits while on the surface they didn't really have a way of cleaning off the suits when they got back into the lander when they removed their suits there was moon dust everywhere (gasps) try as they yeah try as they might to be as clean as possible there was no way they weren't going to have moon dust in the air And that's when Schmidt started to feel it. His eyes slowly turned red. His throat began to itch. It wasn't long before sneezing fits began and his sinuses began to swell and clog. Schmidt was having an allergic reaction to the moon. Oh, hell no. This is why it's terrifying because Lily has bad allergies. (laughs) I am allergic to everything. He never went into anaphylactic shock or anything, but that doesn't change how terrifying it might be to have a severe allergic reaction to something no human has ever reacted to. And you're out in space, countless miles from Earth. That is, oh my God. The most helpless situation you could ever be in. So you have terrible allergies, Lily. You are allergic to almost anything with fur and quite a few other things. So I'm pretty sure you are also allergic to the moon. I'm like 100% sure. (laughs) So it's probably a good thing you're not going there anytime soon. I'll just bring my inhaler. (laughs) So Schmidt thankfully recovered after a few hours, as well as establishing himself in history as the first person to have an allergic reaction in space. Could you imagine? You're like a fucking scientist and you're like, uh, we just know that you're allergic to the moon. (laughs) The biggest question I have is, what did the moon smell like? I don't know. Jagged? Because they brought in all that dust. Pain? Now, it's very common for astronauts to describe the way space smells. So space doesn't really have a smell. Mm -hmm. It doesn't actually have a smell. But when you expose things to the void of space, it has an effect on their structure. So when you bring it back inside, you can smell kind of the reaction it had to it. In the same way that fire doesn't have a smell, but when you have a fire, you're smelling the burning wood. Mm -hmm. So a fire smells 
but not because the fire smells. So space it's what, it's smells. It's burning. I yeah. see what you're saying. And so a lot of people usually describe it as having a very metallic smell mm-hmm. and a gunpowdery smell. The interesting thing is I don't know if you could tell you what it smelled like because when I have an allergic reaction, I can't smell anything. True. So, but, but it I mean, took maybe a while there's... for him to start doing so. Oh, if the, okay. If it was in the air. I just, I want to know what it smells like. It probably just smells like normal dust, but I'm curious, but it's dust that's been exposed in space for so long. I just want to know. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't want to smell it myself because I don't want all that jagged crap getting in my nose and causing like asbestos style cancer and in the future. His, so like his partner, or, like the other astronaut that was there. He didn't have a problem. And he was totally fine. Oh, okay. Yeah, this wasn't like a horror movie where they both just ended up dying right yeah. there. You know, and, <laughs> I was so scared. And it was like going. little parasites. Yeah. But it's still terrifying. Can you imagine that? Like that's that's like real world scary, not aliens or Supernatural. Scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but that's still very scary. As someone who has like asthma and like needs my inhaler all the time. Yeah, that is that's terrifying. Absolutely. You're in space. Where are you going to get an inhaler? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I think what I find most terrifying about this is it really hammers home the idea that we don't know how people are going to react physically to all these things that we talk about. Interplanetary travel, alien contact, all of it. We always imagine scenarios that involve wars or violence, but we never really think what would happen if we were just allergic to aliens. (laughs) I can prepare everyone what would happen. So I'm like, first, don't touch it. (laughs) Don't smell it. And walk away. (laughs) And when people are having aliens over, don't go. Yeah, you're just not going to be able to go. But seriously, what if what if we like set up colonies on Mars and Mars just smells terrible? Oh, I can't imagine it smells nice. I mean, but I mean, I think it's just something to think about. What if we're just allergic to something? What if weird things happen? What if other planets cause weird effects to us? We're just not used to this stuff because it sounds simple, but we've never been to these places. So when I heard about this guy having an allergic reaction to the moon, I was like, oh, man, that's like (laughs) that's real right there. That's real. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, those are my moon stories for our eclipse week, I guess. And perfect because, you know, we're hair of the werewolf and we howl at the moon. (laughs) So those are moon things. So I think that brings our episode to a close. Yeah, I think so. Definitely if you guys have any stories you guys would like to share and that way it can be included into our next listener story episode. Our Gmail is hotwpodcast at gmail.com. Also, we are definitely responsive on social media. So if you guys want to send us a message that way, totally fine. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. We should also mention that Thanksgiving is next week. So that if that's something you celebrate, we want to wish you an awesome time. We have two families we have to visit that day. Yeah. So the biggest danger we suffer is to our pants buttons. Yeah, there's a really good chance I'm going to need new pants after this because holy moly. And we had like Friendsgiving tonight. And we have another Friendsgiving coming up as well, so, yeah. And Thanksgiving is one of our favorite times to drink. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. That's like any holiday. We, we totally just take advantage of that. It's true, but I did learn when I used to work as a brewer that the night before Thanksgiving is one of the biggest beer days of the year. Massive bar sales. Even more than, like, it's 4th up, of July. It's up there with 4th of July and the day before uh, New Year's and St. Oh, Patty's New Year's. Day. That's right. Yeah, that the, be... it's, it's up there with one of the biggest drinking days. So a lot of people like Damn. to drink. Damn. Wow. That's uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's because if we get it off, like, the, the day, you know, most people Absolutely. don't work. Absolutely. People so... are more willing to be hungover and then eat a terrible meal for you. Might as well. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, um, definitely, I hope you guys have a wonderful time eating as well. And of course, if it doesn't go your way and you end up drinking a little too much because you're totally over it, well, then don't worry, because the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye.